Welcome to E2T Adventures. Explore, experience, thrive, be adventure. Where we're celebrating all women in the outdoors as we change the gear industry to fit all women's needs. This is E2T Adventures and I'm Marcy Nault. And today I'm talking to Amanda Major, who is a whitewater kayaking instructor and who absolutely changed my life when she helped me to get back on the river by inspiring me. And today we're going to be talking about doing outdoor adventure sports, kind of how the male dominance has been there and how to overcome it and actually supporting one another because women definitely come to these sports in a very different way. Thank you, Amanda, for being on the show. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to be here. So how did you come to whitewater kayaking? This crazy sport, flying off of rocks, flipping over, rolling back up, the river does what it wants with you sometimes. <laughs> how did you get into this sport? Um, that's a great question. I, I'm a water baby, so I grew up loving swimming, being around the lake or oceans. Um, I would be plopped into a raft when my parents were scuba diving. They got some kayaks for my sister and I to kind of tool around in on a lake. But I hadn't known whitewater kayaking until college when I did have a college boyfriend who introduced me to the sport. Um, and it was kind of a typical experience that some people have of their significant other just flopping them into the sport and saying go <laughs> and I was like oh, okay so I quickly became part of the Deerfield River and Westfield River swim team um <laughs> yes so got yeah. that badge of honor really fast um and I kind of lost touch with it after that relationship ended and was always thinking about kayaking in the back of my mind like it was so it's so peculiar to sit in a piece of plastic and kind of stick yourself in there and make sure you're strapped in i never and thought of it as a piece of plastic but you're absolutely right yeah you're just in you're sitting in a hunk of plastic like floating down a river with rocks right and i'm like why do i want to do this so much um and i was lucky because I got a job at Hampshire College working on a nonprofit on that campus. And as a staff member, one of the perks on a college campus sometimes is that you get to take a class for free. So I was looking at the course um, outlines and everything, and you're supposed to take a class that relates to your job. And I was working in reproductive justice and leadership development. And I was like, whitewater kayaking, that sounds great. <laughs> that's, that's totally, that's what I'm doing. And my boss was like, you need to take care of yourself. Go do that. So thank you to her. Um, and I got in touch with the instructors there and they said, yes, you should totally join us this fall. They were headed to the Grand Canyon for a trip. And I was like, wow, that, that sounds so cool. You know, I was already starry eyed. And they were a couple, Glenna and Earl Alderson, who were running the outdoor program at Hampshire um doing a lot of the kayaking mountain biking climbing there and they just took me under their wing and i was a staff member with like all these college students you know like probably 10 years older than all of them but i just loved spending time with the two of them and loved being in a boat um most of the the class was spent at the beginning just laying foundation of early skills in the pool and then we shifted to rolling and I was lucky enough to learn how to roll in a pool instead of like 
on the river with rocks coming at your face. Um, thank you, Glennon. <laughs> you make and it then, sound so appealing. I love this sport. <laughs> yeah, but rolling with rocks coming at your face. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not a thing. You have to talk. You're talking. Yeah, talk, talk. Um, yeah, and I eventually I took a few semesters and I asked him. I was like, "You're leaving for the summer." how can I keep doing this? I love it so much. And they connected me to Zor. And I interviewed with Janet and Jim and had a great time talking about professional clothes at an outdoor rec interview with Janet. <laughs> and you could ask her about that this year. Um, and just, they took me under their wing as well. I was still really new to kayaking and I was learning while trying to be an instructor at the same time and over the course of a summer with them was able to beef up my skills enough to be able to take people out on the river by myself which was really great and that's when we met actually was it oh <laughs> well over God. the phone I think we had like an hour-long conversation on the phone <laughs> you you did you took an hour to talk to me because I had done the sport in California after doing a Grand Canyon rafting trip and they're like I'd only ever rafted and they're like you need to get in a kayak and learn to respect white water you have no <laughs> fear but the kayak culture in California was very male young male dominated and it was kind of like I was very, I had five guys on a five day rapid immersion on the Trinity and there were no women. I would go to the other campgrounds just looking for estrogen at night because <laughs> I was so tired of being with there men, <laughs> you know, and the instructors were hitting on me every night and like trying to get with me and, and then you'd be out on the river and it's like the guys just kept falling over and, you know, like they flipped and, and swim and flipped and swim. And so they started ignoring me because I was you know, I had that lower center of gravity, I had balance, and so I was making it through a lot more rapids, but no roll, taking us down, class two, class three. And, and then they just started throwing me into things that were way over my level. And I had bad experiences, and I was like, or it would just be like, stay in that eddy, we're gonna surf. Don't make us go chase you. And so I left the sport. Um, a lot of it was because of the constant, like, I was there for their entertainment kind of thing or like to hit on me or to, and it just became so overwhelming. I didn't want to be part of the sport. So coming back to Massachusetts many years later and wanting to put my niece into the sport and wanting to get back in because I never sold my boats. I would just see them. I moved them cross country and, <laughs> and like they originally put me into a little tiny playboat called the Kingpin that just tosses you everywhere. It's a rodeo boat. So I never stayed up right. And I got on the phone with you and I was so nervous. I'm like, is there even a community here? And you're like, here's the, here's the Facebook groups. Come out here. You guys didn't even charge me for the lessons. It was like, just go with Jaden and like <laughs> follow her along because you're going to love being back on the river. You fed me lunch. I tried to pay for it. No one would let me pay for it. And she had the best experience. And then it was like from there, we became part of the Zora family almost is what we felt like. And that was a lot of like your energy, just bringing us in and like telling us. And I was so happy to see other women on the river and to not have so many men dominating it. And I mean, there, we have plenty of men on the river. And I, I was thinking today how you talking to me 
and making me feel comfortable for that hour and like talking through, should I take this or should I do, I do have a role that <laughs> allowed me to like open up this whole new world that I got closer to my niece. She ended up working for Zor. I met the love of my life. Like there's just so much that that one conversation of support changed in my life. And so I think it's so important um, as women that we like do bring in those women that are scared and be like, it's okay. It's totally okay. Um, mm -hmm. So now you're teaching on the deer field and you definitely teach women and men. And what do you see for the women that come to the sport versus like a male perspective of coming to the sport? Mm, I've had a lot of really interesting experiences teaching many, many different people um, of all genders. Um, and one experience kind of comes to mind from this past summer. There was um, like a girlfriend, boyfriend couple that came and it was for the boyfriend's birthday. And he wanted to learn how to cartwheel, but he didn't have a bow stall yet. <laughs> and then um, the girlfriend just was like, you know, I tag along. I just like to stay upright. I'm like here. I'm excited about this, but they were really supportive of each other. But when we had a second and she kind of got me off to the side, she was like, listen, it's really hard for me to learn from my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that I can totally relate to. Um, and I think just when you're bringing women into your instruction, um, first of all, like at the beginning of the day, setting up like a container and expectations for the day. I think that some people really take for granted the fact that this is an extreme sport. And um, some people talk about like, you have to step outside of your comfort zone in order to do this and push yourself. And there is a lot of growth that happens, physical, mental, personal growth. And I kind of believe that you can do that from a space of comfort. Um, if you're pushing yourself in a way that you're feeling so unsafe and you have so much fear, then it's overwhelming and you're not really digesting what's coming in. So I like to start a day off um, with folks kind of framing things out in a way that feels approachable and setting up expectations and understanding what people's goals are, you know? Um, I've noticed a lot of times when there's a room full of women versus a mixed gender group, there's very different expectations that are set. Um, there's def different truths that are voiced into the world at that time versus um, like during the day when I'm instructing, sometimes you'll get people um, in a mixed gender group say like the dudes are just like, whipping out rolls, you know, like all muscle, all arm, but they're quick sometimes. And this can happen to pretty much anyone. They can just like be really good at understanding how their body kind of works in a physical space. But often it's like younger men or just men who have like really good upper body strength that will just like whip out a roll out of nowhere. And they get really cocky about it. And they're like, yeah, I already know how to do this. And then it's like the women who are still kind of working on their wet exit because it's like freaking scary to be upside down in a kayak yeah. um, without water <laughs> or excuse me, without, without air upside down in your kayak. So I think that um, 
just showing people that vulnerability does have a place in your learning and being okay with that and like laughing about stuff that can make you feel really uncomfortable, but also like providing kind of a safe container for people, just being like real and honest. I, when I'm teaching with a lot of, with women, I'm just like, yeah, I was really freaked out by that. And it's, I still kind of am. Like when I paddle up to the gap, I know that people are going to be watching and I'm like, oh God, I really hope I don't mess up. <laughs> it's just like a quick class three, you know, but I'm like, I uh, had some moments in there. Yeah, well, it's kind of a stupid class three when you really think about it. It's like, <laughs> for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, there's the the gap, Zora Gap on um, the Deerfield River is this little short rapid that has all this stuff that just likes to prove to you that you don't know what you're doing with kayaking. And it's a great place to learn, but it's like this big block for people. It's like, I swam the gap. I can't go up to the next level. I swam the gap. And it's like, now you can go up to the next level. You can like kayak all sorts of things and end up swimming the gap because the gap <laughs> just likes to make you feel humble. <laughs> Like, it just has that personality to it. I think rivers in general like to humble people, you know? Like, you can be at the top of your game, and you can still get really hurt on a river. And I think that's, like, rivers keep egos in check. And at some point, you're going to be very graced, and hopefully it'll be okay afterwards. But it's totally real, you know? It's yeah. that one silly, you know, it's like, ha ha, you know, we're laughing about it, but it, that's totally part of the game, you know? It is. And the thing that I've seen a lot, and actually for me, I had pressure to step up because of where my friends kayak and the people who have been teaching me. And, you know, I did 26 first descents this past season and I was a class two paddler and, you know, I remember going to the beaver and you being there and being like, this is my first time. And I was like, what am I doing here? Why did they bring me? <laughs> and the first thing I do is get worked in a hole on the first beaverator in front of everybody in our kayaking community and swim. And, um, you know, and then I, I went back when no one was there to have like that redemption run. And, you know, and then I go into the next one and I wasn't used to being in a creek boat. I like a bigger boat that's supposed to be more stable, but I learned in play boats. So bigger boats are not something I'm comfortable with. And so I go in and I'm like, well, what if you flip at the top? And everyone's like, you're not gonna flip at the top. And I'm like, it's this shallow waterfall like slide that's doing this. And first thing I do is flip at the top, roll back up and go down backwards. So the person that brought me was like, can we go drink now? Like. <laughs> and so it was like I didn't belong there is what I felt like like that was all there was to it and and then you know ended up the next day having in a much worse uh situation but the thing is is like that feeling of needing to keep up when you talk about a woman going with a guy like I I, I kayak with a lot of amazing men and I love them but like one of my friends who started at the same time I did and he's just running things and like he's got a lot of muscle he can muscle through anything and so if he sees a better kayaker swim something and he didn't he believes he's a better kayaker if he sees mm -hmm. um like one of the people that we kayak with that is way above his level and he runs it behind him he believes he's around it just like that person now with women 
I see something very different. A lot of times we're like, we don't believe in ourselves. It took me until like we ran something, we ran Park Falls up at the Vinatsat and I was terrified. And then I was like, oh, I see my line. I don't need them. I'm gonna go, and I got down to the bottom and I was like, wow, I'm actually so much better than I thought I was. And so there is that difference that we almost hold ourselves back in a lot of ways, but then push ourselves too much when we're trying mm -hmm. to keep up and feel like we're gonna be left behind. It's all a head game, right? It's so yeah. heavy. Yeah, and it's- I, I can relate to everything you're saying so much. Like, first of all, paddling with people who are gonna be like way better than you. And you're, I, I'm like the youngest kid always, you know, I grew up on a street, I was the youngest kid. So I was always like following people around like, hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> and in my kayaking, I came to whitewater kayaking in my late twenties. You know, some people have been doing it since they were 11 or 12 and they're just yeah. wicked good now, you know? Um, and I learned while I was learning how to be an instructor and how to tell new people how to do this thing. So there's like so much imposter syndrome kind of tied up in that. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be on the level of these other people who are instructors because I don't want to let them down, you know, and then slide into like just kayaking for fun, which is like, you need to cultivate that. It's hard yeah. sometimes because you're in your head and you're like, I have this expectation of how I should be acting and doing and what I should be running right now because I like, there's a progression with this, but sometimes it doesn't add up and you just kind of have to dial it back, you know, for when you said like, you saw me at the beaver and I was like, yeah, this is my first time running it. It's cause I'm terrified. Like, <laughs> it's like so many stories of people that I love and care about who are really good at kayaking that just get worked in these situations. So I am like very calculated and like maybe overly so too cautious, but like, honestly, I only have one life to live. So I'm just trying to be safe, you know? <laughs> I'm trying to be able to kayak until I'm like 80 years old, like Jocelyn, right? Yes. <laughs> so yes. it's all about the long game for me. And I love like challenging myself on hard water. Um, and it's hard when you're, you're learning a sport that it's really satisfying to achieve hard things, you know, like you have that inner, just like juicy satisfaction that you get from running a hard rapid that you were nervous about at the beginning, but that you kind of settle into and you're like, hell yeah, I am here. I'm doing this. And there's that adrenaline pumping and you're excited and you want to keep on progressing and pushing yourself, but then you have all these people who have been doing it for like 10, 15, 20, 30 years around you that you're paddling with normally. And they're doing these ridiculous attainments. Like I have a friend, she's so good at kayaking. She started when she was like 14 with um, the AMC out here. Yeah. You're Dorsey. <laughs> We call her Sarah Point Year Bow Upstream Dorsey because she spends more time of going upstream than downstream. And when she and Steve are doing stuff, and I'm, I feel like the little kid, like kind of trying to keep up, you know, it's hard. It's hard to be in that headspace and kind of inhabit that. And recently, like last summer, I did a lot of mental game rewiring. You know, I needed to do a lot of reframing for myself so that I could enjoy kayaking instead of beat myself up the whole entire way.
And so how I'm did really you do good that at reframing? What? How did you do that reframing? Oh gosh, with a lot of tears. <laughs> Really great to know. That's like really <laughs> helpful. <laughs> Sometimes it takes tears. <laughs> I think um, there's like an assortment of ways that I got to that, and I think that like I would be lying if I said like I would go out on a river right now and I would be like displeased by something and be totally fine with it. You know, um, I think that it's like kayaking similar to a river. Your performance ebbs and flows you know, especially yeah. because we live in New England and it's really cold out right now. So you don't want to go kayaking, um, but you could if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, how to reframe. I think talking about it with people that you care about and you can feel like really will be able to listen to you and hear you. Um, I have a lot of friends who are kayaking nerds. So my partner is a kayaker. He's been doing it for a while and being able to process my like kayaking learning journey with him has been so helpful. And it just reframes how I think about a lot of things or like one of my really good friends has been kayaking since she was 14, 13. And she and I like clicked in an eddy when we were working together one time during river festival, because we were just talking about life and how kayaking fits in and how we feel when we're in a boat. So I think trying to reframe like less focus around these hard technical goals, like, yeah, have, have goals around your skill level and your skills and what you want to do, but don't beat yourself up over, you know, not wanting to go kayak when it's like pouring out and all these people are chasing the rivers and you're like oh but they're going on really hard rivers and i'm really scared right now <laughs> yeah. and i haven't been paddling so i don't feel like i can do that and be okay with it and that's really hard for me because i get fomo so badly and i think just reframing things of like do it on your terms and have fun with it. Like I try to slide into the river and just be like, oh, I'm outside. I'm like feeling supported by this water. This is my place, you know, these are my people. This is great. This is so great. We're so lucky to be able to do this, you know? It's, so it's such a strange sport and it, it brings so much to life too. Like, because you can take so many of the lessons from kayaking and pull them over. And one of the things really is, like I said that, you know, the bad experience on the beaver, I mean, I had a near death and I did not know I was going to run this part of the river. No one told me about that the day before. I thought I was going to be watching the person that I was supposed to be taking me down, hurt her back. So she wasn't going. So we made a plan on how we were gonna run the river with our group or like some people that I knew pretty well and things happened. And you know, my partner got cut off from me and the three people that I was definitely like in a ducky with cause I knew nothing about this river. I had no intel whatsoever. Um, and they were class paddlers, most of them. And there was like 15 of them 
And they were just, all they cared about was getting to that class five rapid. And they, they'd run this so many times. So they were all in an eddy, just like one of these people coming down. And my girlfriend flipped, everybody went for her. And I was more worried about her. And then I didn't see, and then I saw it last minute and I thought, oh, no big deal. And I had no idea that I would get stuck in it and that there was no getting out. And so I was like, okay, yes, I had this. Yes, it was really bad. And my partner who'd been together for six weeks, who saved my life in the end, um, which everybody was like, oh my God, that was the most romantic moment ever. And we were not feeling that way. I was like, where am I kind of thing. Um, It was, I need to get back in. So two days later, I was like in my boat, on a lake, flipping over, and I was demanding of myself. And then four days later, I went to where we get kayak on the deer field, and I saw you, and I'm just with friends. I refused to go with my partner because I didn't want to rely on him for safety. Stupid. Um, you know, so there were all these things of like, I will not let this beat me. I will not let this beat me. And it turns out that, you know, your brain and fear have a very different timeline. Mm. And like, you saw me, like I ran the whole river. I'm like, oh, I actually feel good. And then I ran the gap and I flipped and I felt the pressure on my paddle. Now I rolled up, but I was back. I was flashbacked. It was anxiety. And so I think a lot of times in extreme sports, there becomes an attitude of, well, these are the things that happen. And like everybody that's come up, that's learned about it, or, you know, I had a breakdown on the side of a river because someone blew a whistle and someone was swimming and someone was throwing a rope. And like, I wasn't there anymore. I was back on the beaver. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, did you have a moment of peace? Like, they just accept that this is part of our sport. And like, you just talk about, and I'm like, but getting back out there, like you, you've been through the experiences of facing something that was terrifying. You know, we've all, how did you walk yourself back to mm. being able to get back on the river and love it and enjoy it after you've had rough experiences? Yeah. Mm. I think um, there's so many things in that how do you get back to the river after you have one of those moments? And the first year that I was working in the summertime, I went to the Penobscot and I just got my butt handed to me. I ended up walking crib works, you know, um, a class five rapid. And before that I had, I went for a swim after rolling out of, three different holes <laughs> right off the bat, you know, put in, get stuck in a hole, put it, <laughs> get stuck in a hole, get stuck in a hole. And I think those moments stay with you because it kind of triggers a panic response, you know, rightfully so because your body wants air and it wants you to be safe. But there's also this context of being a kayaker, the reality, like you said, it's like, people accept this, but some people like I, today is the anniversary of Maria Noakes death. You know, I did not know her, but she was a kayaker in North Carolina who passed away kayaking on a river that she knew. She was a really good kayaker. Um, There's stories like this every year. We, We know people and it's like, 
first there's six degrees of separation and then there's two and then there's one and like it's scary um so i think having that in your brain and not letting it kind of overwhelm you that fear but also like paying tribute to that reality that you are doing something that can be really dangerous um is something that you have to balance you know when you're like can be really dangerous and can be wicked fun and awesome the biggest most amazing like <laughs> you're on the river and you're looking up at the world and there you get to see things that no one else gets to see and it's like this big roller coaster ride and like yeah boof and go flying and and yeah it's like i think so many people like so many of my friends were like i'm not that surprised because of the way you live your life and at the same time like why would you go back like why wouldn't you stop and i'm like that was never an option for me like i feel most alive even when i'm just floating on fife down that river there's something so magnificent about being connected to the water to a community to the sky and the hills around you and even the rocks you know come to like the rocks you know because buddies <laughs> and you get to go boofing off of them even though you're afraid of them and so it is like but i think in life like so many people are like oh my god i would never do that it's terrifying and you know i also figure skate and people will say that's so scary i'm like well you don't start by doing the big jumps you know, you're not going up and doing triples and quads like what you see. You, you do a little bunny hop. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You hang on to the boards. And so I think sometimes in our sport, like what we're talking about, we want to keep up. We want to do the bigger things. And yet we forget that working skills is just as much fun. Being out there on the river is just as much fun. And like, it's not about anyone else's journey. And that's something or the journey someone else wants for you. Mm -hmm. It's not about the bigger and the better. It's not. And so a friend of mine said to me, do it when it looks fun. And I'm like, how is anything bigger ever going to look fun? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And yeah. my guy was like, the first time he went to Beaver, he did half of it, went and chugged a beer because he was shaking so hard. And he doesn't drink that much. He doesn't drink on the river. And he's mm -hmm. just like, uh-huh, <laughs> let's just do this. And, um, and then a year later after working skills, he went back and he saw it as a playground because then he had the skills to do it. Yeah. And I think so often, especially for women, when they're trying to follow a partner or a boyfriend or the guys progress so fast, you know, they, they like, they have the muscles, they can power, they, don't have fully functioning frontal lobes, according to science, because they had to go fight the woolly mammoths and we had to protect the babies. I mean, <laughs> our brains are wired different. And so, like you said, it's having that space to be able to be a woman. Mm. In these yeah, I think, I don't want to like speak for the whole gender. Right, exactly, I agree. Because I think that there are people out there that just want to like get after it and they can have yes. really similar mentalities of like, Yes. Just aggressively getting out there. And that's great too for them, you know, but I think that there is like this level of vulnerability that's often associated with the feminine. And I think that that's something that like 
the men that I paddle with also cultivate sometimes, you know, like the ones that I know really well, um, the people I work with, there's a vulnerability and a, like an access to how paddling like makes them feel alive and also is scary sometimes, you know? And that's what I love. I love talking to people about their own head game. And I think for me and for women that I know, I think that there is this idea of like, you know, you hear people talk about like, oh, I'm getting into kayaking. And then there's like all these guys kind of around you, right? Because it's like this male dominated sport. Um, A lot of the outdoors are dominated by like it's, men, white men who are centered in the outdoors, which is ironic (laughs) because it's so different from what the outdoors were when, you know, before Columbus. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. Really, really good point. And I think that like people reattaching to nature and, you know, accessing it in a sustainable way and appreciating it and learning about like how a river looks at every part of the season or how how strong water can be is really an empowering thing so I think that there are a lot of barriers to accessing this sport but there are so many um, really kind of empowering pieces to it as well Um, So I think that that's something to really consider, like how to pay tribute to the fact that like there's so many dudes taking up that space, but also like there are good dudes that are doing a good job of like being like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been really blessed by the men that I've, I think I've only been, I was mansplained in a rapid once. Mm. Guy was surfing. Mansplaining. I didn't even really understand the term until this moment. Um, He was surfing and this was like my first, I was on the dead and I was like, I'm going to get out in front. I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow. And I saw my line and it was the biggest rapid of the day. And I just saw it so clearly. And I was like, I was just one with that river. And all of a sudden he decides that I need help. I don't know why. And he comes over and he's pushing my boat and he's yelling and he's mansplaining how I'm supposed to do the rapid. And he's pushing me into a hole and into a rock. And I'm like trying to move her around. And I'm like, he's like right on top of me. And then we finally get to the bottom. I don't get to take my line or my eddies or anything that I want. And he's like, you're safe now. You're welcome. I was like, yeah. But that's been one experience out of so many men and women in our community that have been phenomenal of just being like, you know, but I know you've probably dealt with a lot more (laughs) than one mansplaining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that there's this tendency of, you know, like, in our society, men are gender, like, their gendered socialization is to be, like, very well informed and they feel right um and they want to tell people very about well it informed. yes they'll tell you everything about your boat i'm like i don't know it fits sort well, of well yeah we need to talk about like let's bookmark that boat part yes we're um, gonna get to that. 
And there's so many, there's so many situations where I've gotten a lot of unsolicited advice, if you will, mansplaining, aka mansplaining. Um, for the most part, like we were saying, like the people in my corner, male, female, they're doing right by me. And at the same time, there are still opportunities, like there's times when you're on a river, maybe you're on a new river and you meet someone new and they're like, yeah, I'll take you down. I was paddling with my male partner and he was telling my male partner the cool lines to do and telling me the sneak easy lines to do. And that just chipped away at me as a human and a kayaker, which is like, I need to be strong in where I am. And that's like the work that I have to do, but also like stop being sexist <laughs> and like understand that women can do really well, you know? that was on the Koei and that was really rough. And I spent an hour talking through like how I would love to just kayak with ladies for the rest of the trip. Um, and I think there's other situations where I felt so cut down and diminished by people who want to explain to me like what the right thing to do in that situation would have been where when I was following my gut feeling and trying to make sure that me and two other women were safe and being really vocal about that, it just didn't line up to this like pretty experienced male opinion. Um, and it's rough. It's really rough to be in those situations. And that can definitely be a deterrent for women to want to get into the sport. Um, so I think to all the dudes out there watching, you know, to just really think like, hmm, did she ask for this opinion? <laughs> I think that's some, that's a good thing to start kind of inhabiting. Um, that's something that my partner and I, when we're out paddling, I, I love getting information. I'm a sponge when it comes to learning kayaking, especially when I first started. And I, we weren't dating when I first started. We were just coworkers. <laughs> and I was learning a lot from him. And then we started dating. And I was like, I need to be more independent. Please stop telling me what my next move is right now. And it's a whole big communication moment, you know, where you have to just let people know where you're at and what you want out of that experience. And that's kind of the reframe too, is like, I don't want to be coached. I'm not going to the Olympics. I just want to have fun. <laughs> yeah, like, let me ask you when I want information and then very happy with it. It's funny when you were talking, when I said something about like coming to it, being vulnerable, um, there's a, there was a joke that I like the junk and there were so many pictures taken by professional photographers of my guy looking back, like, I thought you were following the easy line and me being like, oh, that looks more fun over there and, <laughs> and just going. So we go into like dragons. He's like, so do we have a plan? Like, what are we doing this time? I'm like, I don't know. I'll see how I feel when I get in there. He's like, okay. <laughs> Cause he doesn't, he's getting used to it, but I love punching river left side right through rodeo like I just find that line to be so much fun at certain levels and everybody else and I had these guys on the side who I adore they're like oh my god you're going into rodeo and they're like screaming 
know I had planned on doing it. So now I'm like, what did I do wrong? So of course, rodeo flips me. And so now I've got to roll up and they're like, oh, wow, you did great. You made your roll. And I'm like, dude, I like punching that. I know how to punch it. Like, it's my practice for punching holes. Like, it's where I feel safe. But they were instantly like screaming for me to do something, which is what freaked me out. And so it's like, yeah, they're, they really are trying to be helpful. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of where it's coming from for most interactions that is like kind of an unsolicited thing. But there's just this frustration because you're like, do you not trust and respect me enough to understand that I can ask you for that first? Yeah. <laughs> and like, maybe I'm just doing my own thing. I just want to go into this hole. Like, let me do it. <laughs> Yeah, or like, I don't, maybe I had a bad line on that, but I don't need you to tell me that I had a bad line because guess what? I already know I had a bad line. Yeah. <laughs> so if I yeah. come to you and I say like any guy, whether it's a partner, even a, another woman that's better than you, that's been kayaking a long time to be like, okay, what did I do wrong on that? And I, I'm definitely like, I've been teaching some friends and like, so I'm giving them advice and they're like, I just want to make my mistakes. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I can put duct tape for the rest of the day on my mouth, you know? And so I think we're all like, I know I'm definitely someone who's done it and like have to watch it. And so when you do, you're like, and you put yourself in that person's shoes, you know, Mm -hmm. I do want to get to gear because one of the things that ETT Adventures is really trying to change and came from kayaking is gear. And let's start with boats for women. Like when you were talking a male dominated sport, I, I thought I was alone. I really thought I was alone that I'm like this in between right on the line of a small and a medium. And like the medium is so big for me that it's like harder to like winger. And like, I just felt like I was wrong for my body type in kayaking until I started talking to other women and realized I wasn't alone in this. So talk to that. You know, a lot of boats. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. I think when you're first starting to get into kayaking, if you don't have someone intentionally sit with you and talk about outfitting of a boat, you can just be like flopping around inside of your boat and not really connected to it. And it should fit like a nice glove, you know, a a rollerblade, if you will, hiking boot. (laughs) (laughs) lots of good solid points of contact but not like squeezing you and not really really loose um something that recently within the past year i saw was this youtube video of a dagger sponsored kayaker um and she is the green race winner adrian and she's talking about outfitting boats and she takes literally the whole entire outfitting kit of foam from dagger and outfits um a phantom because they don't make i don't think they make small phantoms so she's just like shoving this foam in to make sure that it fits her tiny body you know like super muscular human but like five foot something right and it's hard when you're like sitting in a boat base level and you're like up to here you feel like you're sitting in a bathtub you know because our bodies are kind of a lot different you know anatomy is a little different than male anatomy um 
so that was one thing that I really was like in awe like she was taking all of that foam and just like <laughs> batting it out and then the other thing I it was only until really last year that I started thinking you know if my body might be different anatomically than the male body like what should I be doing differently in my boat you know which how should I pad it out so that it actually works really well for me and I put foam under my butt and it made a huge difference I can reach so much farther um there was a California whitewater collective zoom zoom is bringing whitewater kayakers together <laughs> across the country um about outfitting and about just kind of changing how your pelvis is tilting and it just was like light bulb after light bulb and it's so cool to get female paddlers talking about these things because so many people have so many different tidbits of knowledge to stitch together and share um, and I do a lot of backpacking I used to guide in the White Mountains um, for a wilderness therapy program and I have tiny little baby hands and it's really hard to find gloves for winter backpacking just to keep my digits functioning you know I really need my hands when I'm trying to like start a stove so I can feed kids um, so there's so many things that can be done and changed but it's like when when why isn't there a kayak that's like specifically made for the female body yeah yeah i was looking at noria newman and i was watching the boats that she paddles and i mean maybe she has no problem but i was thinking about like so much of our power is in our hips and in our core as women and we have so much more flexibility that in all honesty if you're using technique not muscle we should be able to be stronger paddlers than the men. But if, like you brought up something in the survey that we have on ETT Adventures about the pelvic tilt for women. And so I asked a PT and she's like, oh, the pelvis on a woman and where it is compared to where a man's is. And we're sitting in those boats all day in the same position. Right? And yeah. It blew so my mind. <laughs> And, you know, it's just like, I have the opposite thing that I have such a high torso that that's one of the reasons I have to go to the medium boats because I just feel like I'm going to, you know, tip over in any which direction in the smalls. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, there's so many different things, but yeah, like why aren't the kayaks built to work with our flexibility and where we can move from and then, yeah, it's like, we also have boobs. And so those, I have a life vest that was made many, many years ago that has a built-in bra, a lower, and I can't find it anymore. It was an astral. And I refuse, that thing cannot die on me because it is like the most wonderful thing ever. And it's comfortable. And I try on the others and I'm like, I'm being smushed and I just don't feel, and it's just like, it's, it's really not a fair thing. And doing E2T, I just realized that like, you know, I've never winter hiked. So trying to find winter hiking boots for women. Mm. And I was part of outdoor retailer. Um, and there's six new designs for, you know, probably 10 new designs for every female design. Yeah. And most of those female designs are still shrinking pink. Like we're just going to take a man's foot and make it smaller. And that's not how our feet are. 
Yeah. And, you know, and I'm looking and I'm like, it can't be this bad. Like, it must be that I'm looking. It <laughs> and it's so incredibly bad. And so I went to REI looking for good gloves because now I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy winter. Woohoo. Yes. Three racks of men's gloves, front mm -hmm. and back, one mm -hmm. small section of women's gloves, and most of them were unisex. Yeah. And they were, there was nothing. And I'm like, our hands are colder. Put more padding or more fill in the fingers for us. Then, so hopefully we will, over the years, change this as women together. And, but I never thought, oh, I never thought about peeing in the woods and how difficult it is. You know, in the winter or in the summer, you find a bush, you go behind. Have you seen those zip pants that just I like sell them on E2T Adventures. They're not that brand, but there's a woman um, that created something called zippers. And I, I, I'm in love with my zippers because I went hiking and there's no cover because there's no brush. And, you know, my guy can turn and tree and, and I'm like, oh, but like pants for women, we have to dump them all the way down. So I've got four layers. It's so cold out that I'm like, there's no way my butt's going to freeze. So I just did the pee-pee dance all the way down. I'm like, so are we almost down? Are we almost down? Can we find like a Stewart's? Because we were up in the Adirondacks. And so when I found zippers, it was like the easiest thing. I'm like, I can pee. My butt stays warm. I have my cooler cloth. And I'm like, even pants have held us back. Like, yeah. how ridiculous is it? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, when you were saying your REI story about finding gloves, I love going to this place, Sam's Outdoor Outfitters in Western Mass. And it's like Christmas, you know, I walk in, I'm like, oh, what are all the things I'm going to look at? And then I always have like such accessory envy of the men or the men's section. And you know, like I would shop over there if they made tiny, tiny gloves, but they don't. And then I go to the women's section and they're just all crap. Like they don't have the same, you know, like lining or they're just not put together that well. It's like very dainty looking. And you, like you said, shrink and pink. Or I'll go to like the kids section and then I can fit in the kids' mittens or their gloves. <laughs> That's how small my hands are. And then it's like not, you know, I, I will buy those if they fit, but it's just so discouraging. I, the other day I wanted to buy a windbreaker so I can cycle outside right now. And I went on Fox, like the cycling stuff, and there were two different outdoor outerwear things for women and then 20 options for men. I was sitting there with Steve and I was just seething and he was like, just buy the guy stuff. And I'm like, but it's cut differently. I have hips. It's going to like ride up here. And it's so, it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. And <laughs> I, I to stop me. <laughs> no, it's okay. Like, it has to change because it's our safety, it's our comfort, it's our ability to be out and have these grand adventures. And it's like, you know, and if you think about it, like if there were boats designed specifically for women, how good the women that are at the top really would be, like the more gear specific, it's like, I know with my figure skaters, the better the gear I get, 
the easier it is to skate. And so if I was wearing a men's boot, there's no way I'd be able to do the same amount of stuff. And like, I would never even consider buying a men's boot in a figure skate, but I have no problem buying a boat that was made for men because I don't really have options. They say they're not made for men, but let's be honest, they're, they're pretty much are. And yeah, it's like, the problem is, is like, it's, it's a long journey to change it. And I've even had manufacturers say to me, you know, you understand you're entering a boys club. And I was like, and where is the curvy models? Like, even when there's women designers, we were looking at a pair of ski pants the other day designed for women. So the waist was about this big. Yeah. And then the hips were so tight. So then we got a bigger size. It was so long that no one fit in them. And then the, it went down so low in the crotch, but had no room in the butt and the hips. And we're like, yeah, how, how is this happening? And so we're, we're setting out to change it. Well, thank you so much. Do you have some parting um, wisdom for women who want to get into whitewater kayaking, but are a little bit afraid and like, how do I do this? <laughs> Oh, when I first started getting into whitewater kayaking, I said that I was dating kayaking because I had just gotten out of a relationship. So I was ready to dive right in. Um, and I think to women, to like genderqueer folks, trans folks, people who's, who are often having barriers to access, people of color, people who like economically, it's really hard for them to access whitewater kayaking. I think that... Um, reaching out, trying to start conversations with people. There's a huge community that just wants to welcome so many people into this sport. Um, and just acknowledging that there are resources, they, they can definitely be reallocated. And there's some really exciting stuff happening in the whitewater world. Um, Diversify Whitewater is doing really cool stuff around pulling all sorts of folks into this community, um, Black, Indigenous, people of color coming into it. So I think, yes, it's super intimidating. Of course it is. Yeah. You look at, you stand next to a river and you see all this, this energy and this chaos splashing around. And if you start kayaking and you're on a river and you like, it's going to be hard. It's not easy to get into it. There's a huge steep learning curve. Um, but if for some reason you get off the river the first day or the second day and you're like, I kind of want to keep doing this, like you're locked in, <laughs> it's going to be a thing for you <laughs> because it's just, it finds its way into your heart and your mind. And it's an activity that is just so empowering as you get more and more deeper and deeper into it. And it can be pretty isolating because although there are people around you often when you're kayaking like it's a very individualized sport um so there's a head game that's associated with it and i think when it comes to that head game it's really important to share what you're thinking about and kind of chewing on with other people because i wouldn't know what was going on with you unless i ran over to you on the side of the river and was like what's up Go what's going on you know and i think that that community is a huge part of kayaking. It's not just the physical activity 
um, and challenging yourself, which is really, really great. The personal growth that comes out of it is amazing, but it's the community. It's the people. It's the place that pulls you in as well. So I, I love it. And there's definitely when I originally learned and what the community is now and how many women and, um, and how the community wants to help everybody. And it's like, whether it's like, Hey, I have an old boat, like, you know, you know, when you look at boats that are $1,600 new, there's always gear to be, you know, secondhand and things like that to get people started. And I love that you mentioned Diversify Whitewater. They're going to be on next week. That yeah. is our show coming up next week. Um, and so thank you so much for being on the show and for telling us all this and all the wonderful advice. And, and really to anyone trying any sport out there, even though you feel like you don't know what you're doing, the people that you're doing it with were at a point where they did not know what they were doing and they've been through what you're going through. And so when you talk about it, they're more than willing to share their stories and not make you feel alone in it. Like don't just sit with your feelings. One of my favorite things that you told me on why you love kayaking was that you love being in an eddy with the water rushing all around and feeling the calm within the power. <laughs> and then I sometimes think about that in life when everything feels like it's rushing around me that you can always find that eddy and you can find the calm in the center of it. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that kayaking really teaches us. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so much. And I loved having you come on. And if you want to learn more about Zor and the Deerfield, we will definitely have that. And you can go and ask for Amanda as your instructor. Um, and you can put any comments and we will answer them. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of E2T Adventures. Please go to our website, www.e2tadventures.com and join the movement to make the outdoors more comfortable, safe, and enjoyable for all who identify as female. And remember, you have one life, one body, one playground earth. Go have an adventure.